I said, that's the one. It won't go on properly. I tried it before and it just looked weird. Um, it needs to be tinned out with the acetone and that nail polish. Tin you will. Put a box in the mouth. Sarah, do you ever want to be put in a good mood? Yeah. Do you know what you'll do? What? You'll go listen to uh, Natasha Demetrio and Adam. The two episodes Natasha Demetrio did for, with Adam Buxton on his podcast. I listened to the first one. They're uh, my two favorite episodes of that podcast, and she is the funniest fucking human being on the she planet. She is very funny. Her impression of her father makes me cry laughing. He's a little, little Greek man. Uh, She's like he's like a hammer dash. My favorite episode of uh, What We Do in the Shadows is the one where she goes to the Super Bowl party. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> And she's like, what happened to you? You look like an elephant's knee. <laughs> to the old woman. She tells the story on the podcast where she's like, her dad, I don't know if you listen to this episode, but her dad, uh, they had like, uh, they rent out Natasha's, Natasha's bedroom in their old house and they take in um, exchange students. So they, her dad became really good friends with the, one of the exchange students. And Adam's like, how old is he? And she was like, he's 18. And Adam's like, what? And she, he was like, how long do they know each other? And she's like, three months. He knew each other three months and then he went back to whatever country he's from. He didn't speak a word of English, but his dad went to visit him in the country. And she's like, it's so weird. He went over and visited him. And um, at this time, Natasha had broken up with her boyfriend. And she was really, really upset. And she's like, I, haven't, I did not speak a word to this 18 year old. I said hello to him. And she's like, I said hello to him. How are you? And he just went, oh, sorry. That's all he could say. Okay. So she's like, I didn't speak to him. I didn't know him. I knew nothing about him. And her dad came back from the country I was like Natasha I have to tell you something she was like what he was like I know you were very heartbroken but there's someone he's very in love with you and he needs to be with you and he has to tell you and she was like who and she was, he was like this 18 year old in the country across the road, like this random 18 year old and she was like he said you are a beautiful princess and he hopes when you go to Hollywood you win the award for best actor in the world <laughs> And she was like, I have not spoken a single word to this 18-year-old child in my life. But his, like, just listen to her stories about her dad are my favourite thing in the world. And she is fucking brilliant. Stan Let's Flats is one of, like... Stan Let's Flats. Stan Let's yeah. is so funny. Like, her brother is hilarious, too. Yeah. And I didn't realise he's that guy in Fleabag. With yeah, the he's teeth. that guy in Fleabag with the teeth. And that really awkward sex scene that I hate. The in, one in, in the, the thing? In the cafe. Yeah. We're painting our nails. Anyway, welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish. It's episode number 4700,000 and 0.11. No, we're really sorry that it was that it's late. Um, I got really, really bogged down at work and I just had a, two days of... Shite. Shite. Um, that meant that I couldn't get out of work until ass o'clock. It's all good. Um, but we're here now. I did nothing yesterday. It's all good. We're doing a story. Um... Sorry, I just I'm painting painting this na- these nails now. Do you find it really in like intense? I feel I'm I'm like you when uh, is it you when you're doing something and you can't be bothered to do the you can't, like it's like when you're doing one thing with one hand and the other hand keeps doing the same thing. Can't, what do you mean I can't be bothered? That's a psychological problem. Can't be bothered. It's to do with my brain. Can't be bothered. Right? It's evolution. It's called mirror syndrome. It's called Sarah Bina Bullock. Whatever. No, it's like Colin. Colin can't multitask. If Colin's doing something and I ask him a question, he just his it's like his brain shuts down. Oh, that's just because he's a man. He's a man. How was your week? Uh, grand, yeah. What did you do? Did nothing. Lockdown. Mm. Wildly masturbating all the time. Wildly masturbating? No, I know. How does a woman wildly masturbate? Well, they ferociously rub their vagina. I <coughs> want... Like they do in porn, I imagine. I was just about to say, <coughs> I once watched a pornography. Of course did you. One of the first... And last pornographies I ever watched. <laughs> was um, she ripping the fanny off herself? It was. So my dad... Just throwback note back in the day. Fella knocked on. Fella that my dad knew had a whole 
And I'm not, I'm not, this is actually like a whole thing of porn? an entire suitcase of pornography on VHS tapes. And my dad and this fella in their infinite wisdom, it's like the, like the very beginning of like burning DVDs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, we'll buy a DVD burner. You've got a DVD burner. And we'll burn I'll come down DVDs. with these uh, VHSs. We burn them on the DVDs and then we'll uh, sell them. And my dad was like, I don't want to have any part <laughs> in selling any of this. But I will but I'll you burn, burn them. them. Yep. Big fucking suitcases of uh, pornographies arrive in the house. Clear, uh, the mi- the, at the moment, the first moment I got alone in the house, I was like, open that suitcase. Let's have a look. It's a filth. Um, filth. Anyway, first one I put in was like this like erotic sci-fi space. Spacey type sex yeah, type thing. Yeah, but, but it was like, she was like part robot. Jesus. But to make her part robot, she was just wearing like one of those metal corsets, and you know that like metal finger ring that. So her had, vagina had, was real, though. Oh, you know her vagina okay. was real, but the rest of her was was robot. Um, but you were in that like, porn, you'd be too busy questioning how this works. Yeah, you know me. In order for any sex to yeah. happen, listen, like, hang on, Where's explain the... to me. Um, <laughs> right, so uh, she was addicted to sex. Oh my god, she, she was a sex a, addicted, sex half robot addict. Half and it was a scene and I can't remember any of the I can't remember the rest of the story at any point outside of this all I remember <laughs> is is there was a scene where it's supposed to be a hospital and the fella goes she's in hospital for burns she masturbated so much that her vagina is no. terribly burned and I was like huh is that a thing like <laughs> like what does that happen um can that happen Ew. and yeah she masturbated uh, okay. her she masturbated also, her bits off just want to say Shout out to whoever burned down the mansion of the dude that owns Pornhub. Because you're doing the Lord's work. Someone burned down... Burned his house down to the ground. Explain, tell me. I don't know Uh, the story. Somebody, that scumbag's... uh, uh, The owner of Pornhub is an absolute dirtbag who knew there was child porn on his website and kept it up for years and years and years and wouldn't take it down until the girl that it happened to went to the New York Times. And now they've decided to take down any content that is not made by porn companies what? so any like uh oh, what's it called when when you like it's not it's people just put up their own porn amateur, videos, porn. amateur porn so that's all been taken down but he he knew what was going on completely ignored it girls being trafficked these videos being put up online he was aware of it didn't do anything so someone burned his gaff to the ground whoever you are do you know the next like that's gonna massive to props you? to you friend do you know the next like that's gonna happen to you what who was that Oh, Jesus. Isn't uh, this what the ladies who do your nails do? What do they do? They go... They bang the bottle to release the polish. Uh, what's that site that we were talking... OnlyFans. Oh, I yeah. will put money on it now that OnlyFans will have the exact same yeah. problem. Um, but yeah, they like, burned... All his, those platforms are so dangerous. They burned his gaff to the ground, so just... And do you know what they're dangerous for? Big up! Women! Trafficking. And they're children. dangerous for grooming. They're, like, I'm sorry, when, when you see... Uh, 17 year old girls hitting their 18th birthday and the first thing they're putting up on their social media is they've got an OnlyFans mm-hmm. and nobody is questioning why that's not okay let's take a long hard look friends but anyway yeah they burned his scarf to the ground so I was delighted hit you also inside it I said what I said keep it in Colin fuck him he's like uh, Patrick Swayze and Donnie Dirk oh yeah <laughs> do you know something I'm not gonna lie I still don't understand that film do you not no Whenever everything's about it, I'm like, everybody has a different thing, and I'm like, shut up, nobody knows what that fucking movie means. Nobody knows what it means. Jake Gyllenhaal is like, I don't know. He he decides to sacrifice himself to save his family. He goes, Yeah, but what was the movie about? Uh, Just about, like, (laughs) Like, I remember watching it a couple of times, and I was like, 
Oh, and it was, do you know what it is? It's one of those movies. It's such a movie of its like time. But it's such a movie when you're like a when you're like pre, yeah, like adolescent, like yeah. you're becoming an adult. Yeah, it's like that kind of sixteen, seventeen, like, eighteen. I'm year so old. deep. I'm so deep, and I watched. Do you know what else I do? I write poetry. Um, I write uh, beat poetry. Beat poetry. Um, and I. Uh, My favorite thing about beat poetry is in woman. No, not that that, but also, uh, the second um. The fuck is the name of that movie? Twenty One Jump Street. Fucking funniest thing. That it. That scene where he gets something to yeah. poetry is so funny. It's fu- the, the, sorry. Those two movies. Hilarious. Hey Jeff, my name is Jeff. <laughs> when they're in the bathroom trying to make it to the sick after yeah. they take the drugs, I cry <laughs> laughing at it. I would just like Twenty One Jump. While Emma's Street. looking uh, for information around Twenty One Jump Street, thank you everybody last week who reached out about Lily Pops. A lovely listener sent Lily a t-shirt. So sweet. Uh, a Jurassic Park t-shirt that says Clever Girl. And now Graham has ordered, or wants to order, it takes cut. the uh, exact same one. Aww. So two of them match. Um, and she sent her like a notebook. And then someone recommended the worry book. Yeah. We got it out of Lily's school. Nice. It's helping. She's not there yet, but she's getting she's better. She's getting there. Um, and everybody's just been so lovely and so kind and we just I just would like to say thank you Lily thinks she's famous now <laughs> uh, I told her that the uh, lovely listener sent the thing she's, she's, like, she's like do I have a fan she's got a fan do I have fans she's famous and I was like oh my god what have I done Cynthia is her name right. Cynthia do we any housekeeping uh, housekeeping about the CD yes we don't know what's like Colin's saying a CD but I don't know what to like because vinyls are too expensive to make but we were saying that if we're going to do something we're going to give the proceeds to um, direct provision well not to direct provision but to that charity that helps people in direct provision to get out of direct provision to get the fuck out of it Um, so we're trying to figure out if we should do like a CD or if we should because he was showing me the CDs that he could get made today and they're really pretty but then I'm like nobody has this Colin has a CD player I have a CD player in my car. Yeah, but you don't use it. No, I don't. You look your phone up. So we don't know if we're going to do like a digital download or a CD. Colin's afraid of doing a digital download because he's afraid of being sued. But I yeah. said, what's the difference between doing a CD and that? And he's like, there is a difference. I don't understand it. But anyway, uh, if we are doing it, we will be sending any proceeds that we make to um, to help with people and the people in direct. When am I going to get some money from this shit we do? Huh? Never. The Patreon, and I know like okay. this is not the Patreon, but the People about the Patreon were like obsessed with the strange foods because the Whirly Burger conversation on the oh. Patreon. Um, so the Facebook uh, went nuts about that. Now say how you say, say really how you say Whirly Burger right now. How do a you Whirly say? Burger. Say it properly. A Whirly yeah, Burger. A Whirly Burger. <laughs> like, a Whirly Burger. A Whirly Burger. A Whirly Burger. I'm like, that's not how you say it. Uh, someone spelt it in the, the reason I said it that way is because someone spelt it W-H-E-R-R-L-Y and oh, I was no, like, W-H-U-R-L-Y. There's no H. W-R-L-Y. W-R-L-E-Y. <laughs> not even trying. Whirly. A whirly burger. Um, <laughs> and there were so many things on this list of food that just like I need to try. Oh really? It's not a deep fried thing. Yeah. Uh, People love deep fried shit man. There was like so many delicious there was a fish cake thing right? And the fish cake thing what was odd about the fish cake is it didn't have fish in it. And it had, it, it had potato in it and it was deep fried, which is like potato cake. But that actually sounds like a pink pasty. Hold on, but why is it called a fish cake? I don't know. They didn't explain that. I didn't ask. Um, Whoever said that, we need an explanation. But it sounded exactly like a pink pasty from the north. I should ever tell you What's about a pink, pink pasty? pasty. So pink pasty is essentially a big, thick potato cake. Ooh, it's deep I like fried. The sound of this. It's got 
yesterday's chips, <laughs> I'm not even making this up, what? mashed up with like some other ingredients that they don't, and it's like a secret recipe. And I think it's from like a chipper called like Fusco's or something in uh, Northern Ireland. And it's on like the, uh, it's in like West Belfast. Yesterday's um, chips. Right. And the reason it's pink is that they sell it predominantly on Fridays and Good Friday because Catholics don't eat meat. Oh, so it's fish. No. No. It is not. There is no meat in it. So what is it? Yes, and, and on Good Friday, they like put out adverts everywhere in the north where they're like, no meat in this kind of thing. Like, come buy it. Jim got me one. Nice. Fucking on. He kept going on about it. And I was like, this thing sounds disgusting. I'm unreal. And he, he won, on my last day up there, he brought me, he was like, I'm going to bring you to, I'll bring uh, you to get a pink pasty. And we went and got a pink pasty. And I tell you what, it's a pasty. Well, it's not a pasty. Yeah. It's a m- mashed potato. Right. That was yesterday's chips. They dye it pink because clearly it's a manky colour. So they put like food dye in it. It's got like onion and seasoning and it's all blended together and mushed up. Then they put it in batter and they deep fry it. Then oh, they put me. cheese on top of it oh, okay. yeah, and no, put no. sauce and put it on a burger bun and they put salt and vinegar all over it and then they give you a bag of chips with it. <laughs> and I tell you what, like, I was like, that is, honestly, I drank oh, two liters of water after okay, drinking it. Okay, I need to try this. Yeah, no, we have to go. Next time we're in Belfast. It's so good. I want to try it with pink, pink it's pasty. It's called a pink pasty. Anyway, people on the on uh, Facebook were like really enjoyed the odd food. But I didn't think a whirly burger was odd. No, it is. I've never. I would have never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. I I came down here. Like that's not even a thing. Like it used to bother me because whenever I was when I was at home back in Longford, if I used to get I used to get so confused because we, there was a chippers in Longford called oh fuck I can't remember the name for it anyway. And I would always I loved veggie burgers, but I I would get confused between veggie and salad burger. So sometimes I would say salad burger and they would give you a bun oh. with lettuce and coleslaw Ugh. in a bun. And she no burger? Nothing. That was a salad burger. Sorry, what? And the amount of times I did it, because I was drunk. And then I was like, I just have to eat this and it's the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten in my Ew. life. Just a, a soggy bun with fucking lettuce and coleslaw in the middle of it. And that was a salad burger. And I was always like, just say veggie burger. And I was like, I have a salad burger. I never did it so many times. The fuck was the name of that chippers? If anybody can remember a long What was the chipper in the village? The, the little van. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. There's a little van down in my village that does food. It does really good chips. Fucking beautiful. Mm. Gore Johnny is his name. Johnny. Johnny. And he went away for a while and people were devastated. Yeah. People were there used to very be chip, There used to be a chipper van in uh, Cherry Orchard at the top of Gallonstown in like the like mid-90s. It was like a little chipper van. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he was yeah. only open. He was only there at certain nights of the week. Um, and... Good. It, yeah, it was good, but like I couldn't tell you when it was cleaned. It was like do you know in the scene in uh, the best food. Not a scene in the commitments. Yeah. Where yeah. your fella goes to one of the chipper van and she's <laughs> he's like Do you want to be in a band? Um it was one of those. Deli Burger. That was the name of the chipper. Deli Burger. Deli Burger was the name of the chipper. Destination anywhere. East or West I don't care. That was the name of the chipper in Longford and it was great. Also, sorry to everybody that's living in America at the moment because what's with all the shootings? What is going on? And I know there's always shootings. I know it sounds no, like a really but this has but got this is like a level every of like every day. And I hope Derek Chauvin rots. I hope rots. the motherfucker rots rots in hell. And then it's so because I was reading a thing the other day and they were like the day that he got sentenced or the day he got convicted of whatever he did, they shot a fifteen year old girl in yeah, the back fifteen year old girl times in the chest. Sorry. Yeah. 
four times. Yeah. Instead of de-escalating a fight between teenagers, they shot a 15-year-old girl in the chest yeah. four times. What the fuck, like? Anyway, I'm sorry to everybody living in America, and I'm sorry to especially people of colour living in America, because I cannot begin to imagine. Like, oh. Anyway, life's a nightmare. The world's a nightmare. The world's a nightmare! But you know what's not a nightmare? What? Uh, the other day, Joanna <laughs> that I work with went to Tasty Treats and got a Black Forest Gatto and brought it back to work. Oh, yeah. A Black Forest Gatto and Tasty Treats. That was a nightmare. Treats. That was a good time. You cannot beat a Black Forest Gatto and that cream is treats. so fresh. Yeah, so fresh. That is not shitty. Ain't no cream. Fresh I'm cream. just so fresh and so fresh and so clean. She was like, clean. I went to this Tasty Treats place. She was like, I went to Valley Farm. I was like, Tasty Treats? She was like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, give me the cake. Yeah. Like, she was like, is it nice? And we were every, all I could just hear everybody going, oh my God, the cream's so fresh. Because usually when you get cakes, it has that shitty fucking yeah. ugh, cream. No. Shout out to Taste Treats. Taste Treats, please sponsor us. Oh, um, I would love. Imagine if Taste Treats rocked up. Like it's a man. Right. It's a fella. It's a dude that owns it. He's got like the a dude mustache. that owns, owns Taste Treats. Mustache man. Please, um, I would love some of your cream donuts. I want a piece of your trade. No, I don't want a cream donut. Here's what I want. Go. I want jam donuts jam they donuts. do a beautiful jam donut they do I want a coffee ring cake no, no. not a coffee no. slice and I want a black forest gato yes and a victorious bunch yes and also the, their tray baked carrot cakes are beautiful their tray baked carrot cakes are very good I really want that Um, and they so also do now the tray Sarah Jane has ruined rolls. my chance of getting they do really nice bread mm-hmm, mm-hmm. taste treats and belly firm it for all your bacon needs please, <laughs> please give me cake like if someone said to me you were on a podcast and you're just going to get free cake all the time. I'd be like, that is the pinnacle of podcast. I have hit the ceiling. I cannot go any further if there is consistent amount of cake coming into my life. You won't eat a bowl. No, you won't. You'll eat some of that. I and do then this be like, thing where I just go into call and I'm like, do, you yeah, do you want this? And he gets mad at me and he's like, yeah. stop feeding me. I'm yeah. like, okay, I just want to bring it. But then if I don't bring it home. Yeah, but I never get it. Anyhow, that's the story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> well you've ruined all my chances of getting any free cake when you told me that man put cakes on top of that woman's coffin he didn't put cakes on top said. of her coffin Sarah said this if you don't did, need to get her I, cake I, listen if I do die tomorrow I want cakes in my coffin okay I need to write down all the things yeah. you want this is, there's a plethora of things that yeah you no I do <laughs> I know what I want can I do one of those like beat poets that you're yes, you poets thing? okay perfect I want and as oh, don't die no, as don't I'm coming down the what's the middle bit of the church called the eye yeah that bit is there a special the name for it? The There's aisle. special names for loads of things in the church. Aisle and altar. The stage. You <laughs> all are <laughs> there. Right? Um, and the priest was up on the stage. Yeah, the priest was up on the stage. <laughs> and someone was up there licking his hands. <laughs> um, anyway, when I'm coming down the aisle, I want... Um, <laughs> you know that? You're a cunt. That's what I want. Okay, perfect. Um, we could do that. And then when you bring me out, yeah, bring me out where? Like out of the church to carry, go to the car. Walk you. I don't want anybody to carry me. I would like to be wheeled on one of those things in the coffin. Why? I just don't. I whenever I see people doing it, it looks awful uncomfortable. Yeah, because the aisle is so small. Like I just knock that shit on the head. I don't want. To I think. Go. I think people should wear color as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then I want you to put me in the back of the car, the hearse. The, the hearse yeah but I would like the hearse decorated to, like the Ghostbusters car oh my god I love this yeah this right it's a great idea can I wear a Ghostbusters uniform yes actually if <laughs> if he's going to lift me out of the church I'd appreciate it because we're all wearing Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters uniform okay okay um, and okay. then I want you to bring me to the beach oh I want you to put me on a little 
uh, well, a big dinghy. Float you out to sea. Float me out to sea. And then I want Graham to shoot an arrow. Into your Into your into my coffin for it to go up in a... I want the coffin to be rigged with uh, explosives. It'll just be a bunch of kids like, what is happening? And I want the tide to be out. You want on a bait? No, I don't want... I liked on a bait, so I don't want to destroy it with like it, bring, bring, bring bits of me blown all over. Just bring it down to so we could bring the canal it to or the rats are. pool bag. Pool bag, okay. Um, do it there. And yeah, then, I can't. Yeah. The uh, what's the thing that you put the body in the coffin has you to just be want a Viking bird. rigged with explosives. No, I want to be rigged with explosives. <laughs> Sarah, you're <laughs> tired. Your body will just <laughs> yeah. So I want to be like you know those whales that explode on the beach. No, that's what I want. <laughs> oh, and then as I explode, I want everybody to do, you know, the end of that movie uh, where they light the guy on fire in the house and she they drink the period blood? What? What's that movie called? You know the movie I'm talking about. You, they dress, no! You, you do, they dress him up as a bear. Oh, Midsommar. Yeah. Sorry, so you sorry. You know the yeah. end of yeah, 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 where yeah, they're yeah. all uh, screaming hysterically? I genuinely, when you said that, I was like, she's just made that film up <laughs> on the top of her head. So, you know when they're all just screaming hysterically? Yeah. Uh, that's what that? I want you to do on the beach. Okay. And then it. laugh. What if I, if I go before you, I need and to write And then just go down. back to the Ballier Club and have back home, drinks. have a few drinks, squad. I'll put some money behind the bar. Right? It's a big grand. We just all carrying little chunks as a memory. This was our year. Um, I'll try not to die, but I can't promise anything. Don't die. No death. Um, I was listening to a podcast today about death and I had to turn it off because I started getting really... Oh, did it make you sad? Not even sad, just like... Just get in your own head. <sighs> the spot in your vagina is just a spot in your vagina. It's an ingrown hair. That's all it is. Came back again, the yeah, bastard. That's what ingrown hairs do. I was wiping on I was like... Ugh. Um, so anyway, on the calm right. down. Colin, it's on the right flap. <laughs> <laughs> just for you. <laughs> Coffee has me like I'm buzzing. Like it's there's so much sugar in that. Is there sugar in it? It's just syrups. A syrup, vanilla syrup. <sighs> Something's in it. Like, yeah. So it's just so thank you so much. Um anyway, that's the beginning and end <laughs> of this week's episode. There's no story. Hi there folks, it's Colin here, and I'm about to tell you about everything that's going on over at www.patreon.com forward slash murder most Irish, where we have an amazing two weeks lined up for you. This week it's our Patreon exclusive Ask Me Ask, where our patrons can write into Emma or Sarah Jane, or even me, with any questions that they want answered. And remember folks, we are legally obliged to answer every single question. And that's not all. This week on the Patreon is a very special edition of MMI Drive, when myself, Mr. Craig, Emma, and of course Sarah Jane will be competing in the very first MMI Drive Mario Kart Tournament. It's going to be so much fun and I guarantee you it's 100% unmissable. Still on the fence? Well, we have a very special Ask Me Ask preview at the end of this very episode. So come on over and join the phone at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and for six euros get access to all of our weekly content and monthly specials. Do you know what we do need to uh, just say that um, if you can give money to any of the causes supporting the current pandemic in India please 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 do do in terms of the damage it's doing to the country in terms of the levels of people that are dying in their cars their government is Um, a disgrace Modi is a fucking maniacal piece of garbage mm -hmm. like um, I've put up there's a if you go to our Instagram the link in the bio has the uh, website and if you just scroll to the last page there's a tweet a tweet that I put up that has a link to all the organisations that are help, currently helping helping people in India um, if you can obviously not everybody can it's totally fine if you can but if you can help in any way because it is literally watching 
a fucking pretty much fucking genocide of those people like it's a lot and I keep clicking on videos and then I'm like why do I click on this the videos are really difficult to watch I watched a video of a woman with her brother and she was trying to keep him awake in the like car park of the hospital while she was trying to get him into the hospital and he was he was dead did you see that son and the father who had their dead mother on the motorbike between them I can't I can't deal with it like and the fact that America had to be like basically shamed into sending them equipment and oxygen yeah. and because they weren't going to no and like people they were saying there's like something like 450,000 uh, vaccines that are going to go out of date in the states because people won't take the fucking vaccines and they won't send them anywhere like what the fu- anyway Biden's doing a bang up job guys anyway whatever politics aside we're gonna do a story well I'm not Sarah is yeah. Sarah's doing a story story and I don't know what it is because I like the suspense I think you know this story. I know, but I like not knowing what it is oh, okay. until you tell me what so, it is. So I'm going to do a story this week. Obviously, it's my turn. Um, I got my information from Mens Rea. Uh, a Sinead. number of like UK newspapers, Wikipedia, um, oh. and Australia. And I, most people, most people will know this story. I'm lying down. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I don't have to read, so I'm lying down. There's a not like this entire story has trigger warning triggers throughout the entire way through for sexual assault, paedophilia, oh fuck, like crimes against children. Oh god, um, I don't know. I don't so, and this, um, this entire story is from start to finish. Horrific. Is horrific, and um, if you're not comfortable and you don't want to listen, we absolutely. Uh, understand that understand. and if you don't want to listen to our podcast in general we also understand that so like there's no hard feelings so before you go just email Tasty Treats <laughs> but yeah if you could uh, um, subscribe and <laughs> what is the thing oh I say subscribe like if you could subscribe and, subscribe and like and, and leave like a comment. review isn't it leave a review because apparently that's how we get popular that's how we get popular I don't know understand it so I don't think we're ever gonna... I was reading a thing the other day and people were like how to get views on it on your podcast and they're like tell people to like subscribe, subscribe and review and I was like we have not once in the near year that we've been doing that asked anybody to do that I've asked people to review on Twitter I'm head of the class I'm see you're good I'm not good at that um, I ver- <laughs> but I, I go on to Twitter like once a month yeah and then I I have about 40 on oh, messages do you know what we got on Twitter do you know what I meant <gasps> to say to you did we get hate no um, oh. we got loads of like you know those like uh, sexy Twitter pages <gasps> Um, but I, I singles in our one area. of them followed us and commented on one of our like followers comment and I it was like on about our podcast yeah. so I liked it and then obviously it's like a bot but it was like hey have you oh my god this is how the message started because I thought it was an actual yeah, person yeah, yeah. me and it was like hey do you like the queen's gambit I think it's fun sometimes I like it a little bit too much I get into a little bit too much trouble <laughs> And I was like, what, what the is happening? <laughs> I was like, I didn't interact at all. And it went from like the Queen's Gambit to like, I'm in too, sexy much, times. Too, too much sexy trouble. What I was the like, fuck? And then I immediately just blocked and deleted. I was like, what is this? Bots, man. Mm. We have a few bots following us on Instagram as well. Do we? I can. I always know when it's a bot. So I just like block it immediately when it pops up. I don't, I don't interact. With so it was the first name with loads of numbers after it. Oh, I'm going to change my profile to my first name with loads Please of numbers. Do. Sarah Jane, 559377937. Geek bag. <laughs> like, do you like the Queen's Gambit? Do you like the Queen's Gambit? Okay, that's what this episode's called. <laughs> I have to write this down. 
I'm going to see if I, did, if I did delete Because it came up when I was in work And I was like what is this I was like, Do what? you like the Queen's Gambit Hey you No I did delete and I blocked it um, I would have loved if you start, started a full blown conversation Yeah I really like the Queen's Gambit What's your favourite episode <laughs> I do really like the Queen's Gambit It was a good show um, Give me my earphones oh, I, Do you know what I actually, No You're not allowed to like it then This is my favourite thing um, I like my little lisp A little lisp? Yeah I have a lisp too mm-hmm. And when I'm, when I'm I hate listening to myself So when I listen back I'm like all I hear is me going Like a fucking snake Sometimes when I'm listening There's Sometimes when I'm listening back I don't like the sound of my own voice But there's <coughs> I have to do this morning call and work And there's this one guy That between every sentence And I've pointed it out now To a number of people And they're like Why did you tell me? What does he do? He goes Oh my god So he'd be like Yeah so uh, this morning We had an issue with it And then I was like And then she was over there And I was like oh, Do you know who god, drives me insane For stuff? Who? You know Dara O'Brien yeah. Have you ever watched Dara O'Brien's stand up? No At the end of every sentence Uh uh, he does that. Uh, uh, it drives me insane. I can't watch his stand up because of it. Dara Breen, if you're listening to this, you're lovely and great, but I just can't listen to his stand up because of the. Yeah, uh, I always used to get him confused with the writer of uh, Father Ted. I get that. Anyhow, I'm going to start this week's story. Okay. Here's your headphones. Yay! I'll get Colin to get us two pairs. No, I, I'm, I'm fine. Oh, it's a long one. <coughs> I like and long I stories. I wrote it in a hurry, so I apologize. This <laughs> <laughs> is fine. Um. So, I'm going to talk about Robert Black. Do I know this? This is a mix of English and Irish and potentially other countries. Go on. Tell me. Robert Black was born in Grange, Mount Stirlingshire on the 21st of April 1947. 1947? Not 7th. The illegitimate illegitimate child of Jesse Hunter Black and an unknown father. His mother originally planned to have him adopted before she immigrated to Australia to escape the stigma of his birth. That seems like a very harsh sentence. Australia? Yeah, Holy so he, it's 1947 and she's an unwed mother. The whole way to Australia. So she was going to go to Australia. Um, however, he was not adopted. And at six months, he was placed uh, with an experienced middle-aged foster couple in Kinloclevin, I think that's how you pronounce it. Is that in Australia? No, it's in England. Kinloclevin. Kinloclevin, named Tulip, um, and he adopted their surname. Oh. So, like, Black actually isn't his surname. Okay. Well, it is because he adopted, he adopted it. it yeah. Black showed antisocial tendencies and became as an aggressive child with few friends. Um, he was prone to tantrums he vandalised school property he was also a target for bullying among children of his own age and became a bully towards younger children I know the story I know I know it now yeah. through his foster mother oh though his foster mother insisted upon cleanliness he carried very little for his own hygiene and was called smelly bobby tulip by his classmates that's a tr- great nickname Sure, but like it's not. We had much worse. Like yeah. I had a uh, anyone that wet themselves at any point was called like pissy and whatever your name was. <laughs> you know, pissy John. And now, like I would see pissy John down the road now, and he's got three kids, and he's like, still yeah, right, pissy, pissy John. John. <laughs> it's like you know that guy, um, Greg Davis. Yes, he does a whole stand up uh, section about like kids giving each other nicknames. Yeah. and the best one I like, he tells this one where he's like, "We have this guy, and his name was." 
Baghdad? And he was oh. like, why, why do you think his name's Baghdad? And like the audience were like, oh, is he like, you know, Iranian? Yeah. Is he like Arab? And he was like, no. And he was like, um, also Baghdad's not in those places. So, um, and he was like, no, none of those things. He was like, he came into school one day with a new school bag. And we said, hey, where'd you get your new bag? And he said, my dad bought it. And we called him Baghdad. <laughs> and he was like, and we still call him Baghdad. There's a guy I went to school with, a poor chap. And to this day, I don't understand why they called him this. But in first year, someone called him a sheep shagger. <laughs> and for six years. It stuck. His name is sheep shagger. Yeah. Um, so he was called Smelly Bobby by his classmates. At the age of five, black and a girl of the same age compared their genitalia. Trigger, triggering a childhood belief within black that he should have been born female. And he developed, developed deep interest in his own genitalia and genitals of female children and his own bodily and other people's bodily orifices and from the age of eight it was documented that he would like regularly like interfere with himself so he'd regularly like inject odd objects into himself oh jesus locals later recalled seeing bruises on black's face and limbs and suggested that he'd been physically abused by his foster parents so there's rumors that like he was abused by by his foster parents but he never stated that he was. Um, and he always stated that he couldn't like recall the origin. And if anything, given what he was going around and doing to children that wasn't being reported, it probably had a lot to do with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they may have resulted in fights as well because he was like being bullied yeah. and he was bullying other kids. But despite being adamant he could not recall the origin of these bruises... Black was a chronic bedwetter and freely admitted to being berated and beaten by his foster mother for those offences, but said like that he was never like beaten with it like black and blue. That it was like And they never not that it was ever okay to hit a child, but they never attacked him for like no, just he said, walking around. It was always like no. you, you peed the bed again. Yeah. Okay. By nineteen fifty eight the tulips had both died and he was placed with another foster family in Kilo Kalaklevin. Kalaklevin. Yeah. He soon committed his first known sexual assault. He dragged a young girl into a public lavatory and fondled her. His foster mother reported the offence and insisted he be removed from her home immediately. Black was placed in a mixed sex children's home on the outskirts of Falkirk. Here he regularly exposed himself to girls. On one occasion, he forcibly removed the underwear of a girl. As a result, he was sent to a Red House, a care home called Red House, a high-discipline all-male establishment in Musselburgh. At at this new location, Black was sexually abused by a male staff member for three years. Um, During this time, he studied Musselburgh Grammar. He studied in Musselburgh Grammar School. He developed an interest in football and swimming, and other students recall him as... Like, he'd, like, no friends and, like, was quite, like, insular. Yeah. And kind of stuck to himself. But, like, he's being abused at this point sexually. fuck. Dude, this is a mess from the start. Mm -hmm. In 1963, Black left the Red House Care Home with assistance from child welfare agencies. And he was moved to another boy's home in uh, Greenock and obtained a job as a butcher's delivery boy. He later said that he fondled... 30 to 40 young girls whilst making deliveries. 
So, like, he said while he was doing this, he was, like, attacking children and and girls, but he's a child himself. Uh, Oh, my God, this is a mess. Um, yeah, so if he, if he arrived and there was, like, children left the, like, left at the houses where he was delivering, he he would, yeah. Uh, And none of these, he, this is his claim, but none of these incidents were ever reported. Oh, which okay. is a common trend, by the way, as we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, okay. He got away with so much. So because, much shit. Yeah. Because it was nineteen dickety two. Yeah. So on a summer evening in nineteen sixty three, Black encountered a seven year old playing alone in the park. At this point in nineteen sixty three, what's he like? Sixteen. Forty seven. Nineteen fifty. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He lured the child to a, des- a deserted air raid shelter on the pretext of showing her like baby kittens. Uh, there he held the girl by her throat until she lost consciousness. Um, um, the next, then he masturbated over her body. Uh, the following day, Black was arrested and charged with lewd and libidinous. Lib, lib, is that how I say that word? Let me see. Yeah, libidinous. Libidinous behaviour. And a psychiatric examination suggested the incident was an isolated one. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. And that Black was in, not in need of treatment. No, no, no. And as a result, he was admonished for the offence. So it was like, don't do it again. Yep. yep. Shortly yes. after this, Black moved to Grangemount, where he lodged with an elderly couple and worked for a builder supply company. He began dating a young woman he met at a local youth club. And this was his only known girlfriend. They dated for several months. And according to Black, he had asked this woman to marry him. And was devastated when she abruptly ended their relationship, in part due to his unusual sexual demands. So he goes on to state later on that, like, he always, from like a young age, would dress up as a child. Okay. And he would find that, like, sexually arousing. To dress up as a kid. Yeah. And okay. he, in his demands, this woman that he was like, he would essentially continue that out. He also, um, would, like, ask her to essentially have sex with him anally okay. um, and she just wasn't down with any she of that okay. um, in 1966 Black, 66 Black's landlords discovered that he had molested their nine year old granddaughter <sighs> whenever she visited their household they evicted him but they did not inform the police because they didn't want any further trauma to be held upon the girl oh my god Black's last job soon after, after um, he returned to uh, Kinlaclefen, where he lodged with a married couple who had a six-year-old daughter. Oh, God. Within a year, Black's landlord informed the police that he had repeatedly molested their daughter. He pleaded guilty to three counts of indecent assault against a child, and he was sentenced to a year at Palmont Brostel, in Brighton, which specialised in training and rehabilitating serious youthful offenders. Um, he, later on, as we move on, he openly speaks about every other care home he was in, but he refuses to discuss anything about this care home. Um, and at the point of this, of him being prisoned, he, like, vows that he'll never go to prison again. Okay. Um, so the speculation that he's, like, brutalised there. Yeah. Um, which is, to be honest... He deserves. Um, in September 1968, six months after his release from Palmer Brostel, Borstel, 
Black moved to London where he initially found lodgings in a bed set close to King's Cross Station and between 1968 and 1970 he supported themselves through various often casual jobs. One of them was a lifeguard at a swimming pool where he was soon fired for following a young girl and again no charges were brought. This man was just walking around molesting everything that passed him. Yeah. By a contact that he met at King's Cross Bookshop, Black began to collect child pornography and initially much of his material was in magazines and photographic format, although he later expanded the material into include videos depicting graphic child sex abuse. As Black was a keen photographer, he sometimes also discreetly photographed children, mostly girls between 8 and 12, at locations such as swimming pools, and he stored these images alongside his other pornographic material in, like, a locked suitcase. Black frequented the Tree Crowns, a Stamford Hill pub, where he became known as a proficient darts player, and there he met a Scottish couple called Edward and Catty Rayson in 1972. He moved into their attic... And the Raisins considered Black a responsible, if somewhat reclusive tenant, who also gave them no complaint beyond his poor hygiene, and he lived there until he was arrested in 1990. Fuck. Um, and they were aware that he was, like, really heavily into pornography, but they didn't think it was child pornography. <sighs> to increase his scope for casual work, in the mid-1970s, Black bought a white Fiat van to enable him to commit to driving for a living. In 1976, Black obtained a permanent job as a van driver for Poster Dispatch and Storage Limited, a Hoxton-based firm whose fleet delivered posters and they typically depicted pop stars and like billboard advertisements, like the ones that like are, are bus stops and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Um, but the, they were to be posted in locations across Europe, Ireland and continental oh UK Ireland and continental Europe so like he would be driving around doing this to his employers Black was a conscientious employee who was willing to undertake long distance deliveries that their 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 married co-workers didn't want to do oh okay so he was was like I don't have kids I don't have a wife I'll go yeah 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 while working as a driver Black developed a thorough knowledge of much of the UK and Irish roads network Subsequently, it enabled him to snatch children across the entire country and dispose of their bodies hundreds of miles away from the site of their abduction and to, re- to reduce the chance of being identified by eyewitness. Black often adjusted his appearance by alternatively growing beards or appearing clean-shaven. He'd occasionally shave his head. He'd be completely bald. He owned over a dozen pair of spectacles. He would wear a pair significantly different from those he regularly wore when he was abducting children. He also covered the rear window of his van with opaque black curtains. I just realised something. Go on. This guy is the guy that was involved in a story that I did. Yes. Yeah. Just realised that. I know who he is, yeah. So, his first known and proven victim is a girl called Jennifer Caddy. So the first murder Black is proven to have committed was at was that of the nine-year-old Jennifer Cardi, who was abducted and sexually assaulted and murdered on the 12th of August in 1981. Cardi was last seen by her mother at 1.40pm as she cycled to her friend's house in Ballanderry County Antrim and she never arrived. Hours later, Cardi's bicycle was discovered less than a mile from her home, covered with branches and leaves, and the stand of the bicycle was down, which suggested that she got off the bike um, to converse with somebody 
Um, the search was aided by 200 volunteers, but they found nothing further. Six days later, two fishermen discovered Cardi's body in a reservoir near a lay-by in Hillsborough, 16 miles from her home. A pathologist noted signs of sexual abuse on Cardi's body and her underwear, and the autopsy concluded that she died of drowning, most likely accompanied by a ligature strangulation around her neck. Uh, the watch she'd been wearing had stopped at 5.40. So she was with him from 1.40 to 5.40. But she was most likely abducted within like 10 minutes of leaving her house. Oh my god, she's nine. She's nine years old. The location of the body near a major arterial road between Belfast and Dublin led police to suspect her murder had been familiar with the area. The reservoir in which her body was found was near a route frequented by long-distance delivery drivers and visible only yards away from the law by it, it was only visible uh, only yards away from the law by suggesting that her killer may have traveled extensively upon this room so like he just knew he, he knew, knew where to go he knew where to stop yeah the next victim is a, a girl an 11 year old called Susan Claire Maxwell black's second confirmed victim was 11 year old Susan Clare Maxwell, who lived in Cornhill on Tweed on the English side of the Anglo-Scottish border. Maxwell was abducted on the 30th of July 1982 as she walked home from playing tennis in Coldstream. She was seen alive at 4.30pm crossing the bridge over the River Tweed and was likely abducted very soon after that by Black. The following day, a search was mounted and search dogs were used. And at peak, 300 officers assigned a full, a full time and thorough search, which was made of every property in Cornhill and Coldstream. Jesus Christ. And over 80 square miles of terrain. Several people reported to having seen a white van in the locality. And the said van had been parked in a field gateway off the A697. On the 12th of August, Maxwell's body was found by a lorry driver. Her body was covered with undergrowth and was clothed, was clothed save for her shoes and under, so she was clothed except for her shoes and underwear, so her clothes had been put back on. <sighs> the precise date and cause of her death could not be determined due to the decomposition. Maxwell had been bound, gagged, and gagged with sticking plaster. I don't know what that is. It's horrific. And her underwear had been removed and folded beneath her head. This motherfucker. Suggested that she had been sexually assaulted. A coroner's inquest concluded Maxwell had died shortly after being abducted. And evidently Maxwell remained in Black's van, alive or dead, for over 24 hours. As his delivery schedule encompassed Edinburgh, Dundee and finally Glasgow, where he made his final delivery close to midnight on the 30th of July... The following day, Black returned from Glasgow to London, discarding the body in... Some motherfucker just drove around with this dead girl in his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he discarded her body beside the A518 road near Utoxeter, 264 miles from where Maxwell had been abducted. So, like... He was driving around? He was mm-hmm. just driving around? Mm-hmm. This man is a demon. Yeah. It only gets worse. His next victim is five-year-old Caroline Hogg. She's Black's, Black's youngest known victim. She disappeared while playing outside her Beach Lane home in Edinburgh, suburb of Portobello, in the early evening on the 8th of July, 1983. When she failed to return home by 7.15, 
Her family searched the surrounding streets and a boy told them that she had that he had seen Caroline with a man on the nearby promenade, which they searched before calling the Lothian and Borders police. The ensuing search was the largest in Scottish history at the time, with 2,000 local volunteers and 50 members of the Royal Scouts uh, searching for for searching first Portobello and then expanding their scope to all of Edinburgh. By the 10th of July, Hogg's disappearance was headline news across the UK and nine known paedophiles were identified as having been in Portobello on the 8th of July. On the 8th of July. What? Holy fuck. Paedophiles were everywhere. All were eliminated from the inquiry. Numerous eyewitnesses had seen an unkempt, balding, furtive-looking man wearing horn-rimmed glasses watching Hogg as she played and then following her to a nearby fairground. A 14-year-old girl named Jennifer Boot had seen Hogg sitting with this man on a bench and Boot overheard Hogg reply say re- Hogg replying to the man saying yes please to some question he had posed to her by the man before the two walked to the fairground holding hands. There the man paid 15 pence for Caroline to ride a carousel as he watched and a witness stated to the police that as they left, Caroline seemed frightened. Hogg remained in Black's van for at least 24 hours and Black delivered posters to Glasgow in several hours after the abduction. He refuelled his van in Carlisle in the early following morning. On the 18th of July, Hogg's naked body was found in a ditch close to the M1 motorway, 310 miles from where she'd been abducted, and just 24 miles from where Maxwell's body had been found the previous year. The precise cause of death could not be determined, again due to the extent of decomposition, and insect activity suggested the body had been placed where it was found on or after the 12th of July. Black had made a delivery to Bedworth on that date and the absence of clothing again suggested a sexual motive. Five years old. She's five. Like, also, the 1980s. Do people just not know how to have children in the 1980s? She was five. She didn't come home until quarter past seven. Mm -hmm. She should have been in your house. What? Mm -hmm. Like, the idea of you... Letting Lily Lily Mm -hmm. go to a fucking promenade until a quarter past seven at night. Mm -hmm. I just... The 1980s. A fucking nightmare. (laughs) This is horrific. Do you want me to stop? No, no, no. Keep going. I just... Every... It's just a nightmare. The following March, a televised reconstruction of the abduction was broadcast nationally. Appealing for witnesses to come forward... Hogg's father said, you think it can never happen to you, but it's proven time time and time again that it can, and it could again if this man isn't caught in the near future. After the discovery of Hogg's body, a conference of senior Staffordshire and Leicestershire detectives unanimously concluded that Hogg's and Maxwell's murderers were the same person. To a large degree, because the distance between the abduction and the discovery sites Due to the distance involved, police suspected that the murder of Maxwell and Hogg worked as a lorry or van driver or a sales representative, which required him to travel extensively to locations, which included Scottish borders. Both girls had been bound and likely subject to sexual assault prior to their murders. Each had been wearing white ankle socks at the time of their abduction, which may have triggered a fetish in the perpetrator's psyche. Due to the geographical and circumstantial nature of the offences, the girls were most... were... the girls... 
the killer was most likely an opportunist. Based upon the day of the week when Maxwell and Hogg had been abducted, which was a Friday, the killer was likely tied to a delivery or production schedule. And following the August of 1982, the discovery of Maxwell's body and numerous transfer firms with links between Scotland and the Midlands of England were were contacted and drivers were questioned about their whereabouts and the date of her abduction. The line of inquiry was repeatedly followed was repeated following the discovery of Hogg's body, but in both instances failed to yield any results. Despite frustration at the lack of breakthrough in their search for the murder, there was complete cooperation between the detectives from the four police forces involved in the manhunt. Initially, a satellite incident room in Coldstream coordinated the efforts at the forces involved in the hunt for Maxwell's killer, with incident rooms in Leith and Portobello coordinating the search for Hogs within hours of, of Hogs' body being discovered. The chief constable of all forces now involved in the investigation, in investigating the murders, agreed to a, appoint a senior investigation officer to coordinate the inquiries. Hector Clark, the assistant's the assistant chief constable of North Humbria Police took overall charge of the investigation and Clark established an incident room in Northumberland and Leith Police Stations to liaise between all four police forces. Yeah. Um, all information relating to both child murders were initially logged within a card filing system which contained over 500,000 index cards Holy relating shit. to the Maxwell case alone. Mindful of the criticism of the recent investigation into the Yorkshire Ripper, which had become overwhelmed due to the volume of information filed on card filing system, one of Clark's first decisions upon taking overall charge of the murder investigation was to introduce computer technology into the investigation, and he and other senior officers agreed that the most efficient way was to cooperate in an investigation of the scope was to collate their information on the hog murder into a computerized database which all forces involved in the manhunt could access. Information relating to Maxwell's murder was also later entered into the database. By January 1987, all informa- information relating to the murders initially linked to Black was entered into the newly established Holmes Information Technology System. The system cost £250,000 to implement and it was provided by the home office, so like they knew they had like a serious problem. There was a mass problem, yeah. The information continued to be entered into the database, and the police force nationwide could cross-check all data into the system. The database was based on the Child Murder Bureau in Bradford, expanded to hold information upon over 189,000 people and 220,000 vehicles. Jeez. The details of interviews held with over 60,000 people and much of the information came through three confidential hotlines established in 1984. As a result of this investigation into the killings, several several unrelated crimes, including offences relating to child abuse, murder and sexual assault were solved. That's amazing. Did you watch that Yorkshire, document, Yorkshire documentary? No. It's insane. So, you know where you're saying that they changed computer because of everything that happened? Yeah. So they were doing the Yorkshire Ripper one Um. They had a room in the police station. Yeah. And they had so much paper that the room, the ceiling started to buckle. So they had to get like metal fucking pillars put in to the police station under that room because they had so much like documents that the ceiling started to buckle wow. down. Like because there were so many cases and so many attacks and so many murders and they ignored it for so long. 
But yeah, it's insane. So well done getting the computer system fucking. Mm -hmm. At least somebody did something right. At 7.50 on the 26th of March, 1986, a 10-year-old called Sarah Jane Harper disappeared from the Leeds suburb of Morley. Having left her home to buy a loaf of bread at a corner shop, which was a hundred yards away from her house, the owner of the shop confirmed that Harper had, that Sarah Jane had bought the bread and two packets of crisps, two packets of crisps at 7.55, so five minutes after leaving her house, and that a balding man had briefly entered the shop moments later then left as Harper made her as Sarah Jane made her purchase Sarah was last seen alive by two girls walking into an alley leading towards her Brunswick place home when she had not returned by 8.20 her mother Jackie and younger sister Claire briefly searched the surrounding streets before Jackie reported her daughter missing to the West Yorkshire police immediately an extensive search was launched to find the child and over a hundred police officers were assigned to full-time search, which saw house-to-house inquiries across Morley. Over 3,000 properties were searched and more than 10,000 leaflets were distributed. 1,400 witness sta- statements were obtained. Um, a police search for the surrounding land was bolstered by 200 local volunteers. And a reservoir near Tingley was searched by underwater units. Extensive inquiries by the West Yorkshire Police established that a white Ford Transit van had been in the area where Harper had been abducted. Two suspicious men had seen loitering near the route Harper would have taken to the corner shop and one of them was stocky and balding. Mindful of the possibility Harper had been abducted and murdered, West Yorkshire Police dispatched a telex to all forces nationwide requested that they search all locations where they had previously discovered child murders. Oh, fucking hell. At a press conference on the 3rd of April, Sarah's mother, Jackie, informed journalists that she feared her daughter was dead and that the worst torment she and her family endured was the uncertainty. She made a direct appeal to her daughter's abductors to reveal the whereabouts of where her body was, stating, I just want her back, even if she's dead. If someone would just pick up the phone and tell me where her body is. Oh my God. This is so dark. On the 19th of April, a man discovered Sarah's partially dressed and gagged body floating in the river near Trent in Nottingham, 114 kilometres to 71 miles away from the site of her abduction. An autopsy showed that she had died between five and eight hours after she was last seen alive and the cause of her death was drowning. The injuries she had received to her face, forehead and neck had most likely rendered her unconscious prior to being thrown in the water. Harper had also been the victim of a violent and sustained sexual assault prior to being thrown into the river, causing pre-mortem internal injuries. So she was like violently raped. Oh my God, this motherfucker. Days after Harper's body was found, a further witness contacted the West Yorkshire Police to say that approximately 9.15pm on the 26th of March, he had seen a white van with a stocky balding man standing by the passenger door parked close to the river Soar. As the store is a tributary to the Trent and a description of the vehicle driver matched those obtained by the Morley residents, investigators took the eyewitness's account seriously. Black refuelled his van in Newport Pagnell the following afternoon and it is likely that he had driven Harper to Ratcliffe on Soar and discarded her body in Soar in the late evening of, of in the late evening of the date of her abduction or the early hours of the following day. 
Realising the likelihood that Harper's murder had been travelling on the M1 motorway prior to disposing her body in the river, and that he would have had to refuel his vehicle as he made his journey, officers from both West Yorkshire and Nottinghamshire Police questioned staff and motorists at all service stations on the M1 between uh, Woolley and West, York- West Yorkshire and Trowell, uh, Nottinghamshire, asking whether they had noted anything unusual on the 26th or 27th. Staff at one station had noted a white transit van which seemed out of place on the evening of the 26th, but they could not give a clear description of the driver. On the 23rd of April 1988, an attempted abduction of a teenage girl occurred in the Nottingham district of Radford, which was initially deemed by Nottinghamshire police to be linked to the three child killings and thus remained to not be so it wasn't initially they didn't see it as linked no so it wasn't it remained unreported to Clark so it never went to that like central hall yeah or senior investigators in this national manhunt despite the fact that all chief constables across the UK had been requested to report incidents of any nature to the inquiry team the victim of this attempted abduction was Teresa Thornhill. She was 15 years, 15 year old, excuse me, she was 15 years old at the time. She was only 4 foot 11, which may have led oh, Black to think she, she was, was younger. younger. That evening, Thornhill had been at a social gathering in a park, so she was in park with her friends and her boyfriend. And before walking home with Beeston, who was her, her boyfriend's name was Andrew, the pair had parted company at the end of Norton Street where Tornhill noted a blue transit van slowing to stop ahead of her. The driver of this van then got out and raised a van's bonnet. So he stopped, he waited, he kind of looked. To see if she was coming kind of thing. Got out of the van and raised a bonnet. Um, and he asked her, can you fix engines? Oh, what? When Tornhill replied that she could not and began walking at a much brisker pace, Black clapped his arms across her mouth and navel, attempted to drag her into his vehicle. Tornhill resisted him, riding and kicking as she attempted to free herself from what later described as being like a bear hug grasping her body. Girl. As her would-be abductor wrestled her to his van, Tornhill squeezed his nuts. So she like Good grabbed girl. she grabbed him by the testicles, causing him to loosen his grip sufficiently enough for her to bite him in his forearm. Black shouted, You bitch, and as Tornhill began to scream for her mother, wedging her feet on either side of the door frame so he couldn't close the door, she struggled to resist being forced into the van, and at the same time, her boyfriend ran shouting towards the van, let her go, you fat bastard. Upon upon hearing this, Black loosened his grip on Tornhill, who fell onto the road sobbing, and Black himself ran towards the driver's seat of his van and rapidly drove away from the scene. Oh my, I actually like, my whole body is shivering right now. This is horrific. Both Tornhill and Beeston ran into Tornhill's home and informed her parents what had occurred. They immediately reported the attempted abduction to Nort- Nottinghamshire Police, who questioned both youngsters. Both Tornhill and Beeston described her, her would-be abductor as an unkempt, overweight, balding, heavily built man, aged between 40 and 50, about 5 foot 7 inches in height. So basically the exact fucking description of the guy that was Yeah, and they didn't report it. Oh! 
<sighs> so that's 1988. Yep. We're now in 1990. Oh my god. On the 14th of July 1990, David Harks, a 53-year-old retired postmaster, was mowing his front garden when he saw a blue transit van slow to stand still across the road. The driver exited the van to clean his windscreen as a six-year-old, as the six-year-old daughter of Harks, neighbor, so not himself, but his neighbor's six-year-old daughter, passed his field of view. Harks stooped down to clear grass cuttings from his lawnmower and he saw the little girl's feet being lifted from the pavement. Oh my God. He then straightened himself to observe the vehicle's and the driver hastily pushing something through the passenger door before clambering to the driver's seat, closing the passenger door and starting the engine. Realising he had just witnessed an abduction, Harks noted the registration of the van and sped, as it sped away. Harks ran into the girl's home and the girl's mother called the police. This little girl's dad is a police officer. Oh my God. Within minutes, because they witnessed her, six police vehicles arrived in the village and Harks described the van to an officer. He observed it He observed it driving and their direction exclaimed that it's him. It's the guy that everybody's looking for, essentially, he said. That it's the same van. An officer jumped in the van's path, forcing it to a halt. So, like, he essentially got in the van with the police officer and was like, that's the van. Like, Holy fuck. The police removed the driver from his seat and handcuffed him. And one of the officers, who was the father of the abducted girl, opened the rear of the van, clambered inside, calling his daughter's oh name. Oh, God. And seeing movement in a sleeping bag, untied its drawstrings and discovered his own daughter inside, with her wrists bound behind her back her legs tied together and her mouth bound and gagged with sticking plaster and a hood tied over her head on the 10th of August 1990 Black was tried for the abduction and sexual assault of the Stowe schoolgirl. he was tried at the Edinburgh court before Lord Donald MacAusha Ross and the trial lasted one day in the opening statement Carrigan stated his client would plead guilty to all charges. Um, so he said that he plead guilty to all charges, terming the implements found in ba- in Black's van show a clear sign of premeditation and citing medical expert testimony that the girl would have likely have suffocated within 15 minutes had she not been rescued. Oh my God. Testimony was given that Black drove his victim to a lay-by to sexually abuse her and then returned to the village. So, like, he he, he drove to sexually assault her, but then realised he was being, like, followed. So went back to the village. So he drove back to the village. Um, But at that point, like, he, like in the amount of... He, he was so fast. Like, this all happened, like... Yeah, like, in seconds. In minutes. And he had her, like, bound, tied, gagged inside a sleeping bag with a hood over her, her head. And the sleeping bag was tied. She couldn't, like, get out into the back of the van. Oh, my fucking God. Um, so, testimony is given that he drove to a lay-by um, and that the victim stated she didn't know... The victim stated she didn't know 
he was a bad man and Black had stared at her before bundling her into the van so like she was like she's only six she's six she's a baby in rebuttal Carrigan uh, asserted again that the abduction had not had been unplanned so like his lawyer was like no it wasn't planned it's these lawyers need to rot that Black had intended to release the girl after yeah, assaulting he did. her of course he did yeah he pointed out that Black freely admitted his paedophilic references so like I didn't go into detail but when he was arrested within like a matter of minutes of being in the back of the van back of the police car he was like yeah I'm, I'm a paedophile and I've murdered yeah. all these girls and I have like a problem and I need help and I'll admit everything Jesus Christ and claimed to have successfully fought against the urge to abduct young women young girls prior to the incident at issue so he pretty much was like I I haven't done anything else other than this and this is the first time I've done it. Oh my god. Black accepted that he was a danger to children and he wished to undergo treatment. I know the treatment I give that cunt. So he goes to court for like a list of everything that yeah. was stated above. And everything that I've stated above is what he was found guilty of. Okay. But I'm going to go into the aftermath because he went to individual court cases for all of them. Eight years after a nationwide inquiry was uh, culminated in 1990 uh, after the arrest of Robert Black, it proved to be one of the longest and most exhaustive and costly British murder investigations of the 20th century. But the time investigators had amassed enough evidence to convince the Crown prosecution that Black... that to service to charge Black with the three child murders and the attempted abduction of Thornhill, the dossier had they had assembled was an estimated weight of weight of twenty two tons. The total cost of the inquiry was twelve million pounds sterling. Holy fuck! Robert Black appealed against his okay. convictions in nineteen ninety four. His appeal was heard by four Lord Tyler at the Court of Appeal on the 20th of February 1995. Black contended he had been denied a fair trial due to the details of his 1990 abduction and sexual assault charges being introduced as similar fact evidence at his trial and a ruling his defence counsel had fundamentally objected to. Black also contended that the final instructions delivered by the judge, Macpherson, had been unbalanced Black's appeal hearing had been expected to last three days, but at the end of the first day, Lord Taylor refused to leave leave to appeal the conviction on the grounds that Black's trial had been fair and that none of his contentions could be sustained. And he's a murdering paedophile. He's a murdering paedophile. In July 1995, Black was attacked in his cell at Wakefield Prison by two fellow inmates who threw boiling water mixed with sugar over him, bludgeoned him with a, ta- a table leg and then stabbed him in the back of the neck with a, like, shiv. Fuck. Black sustained superficial wounds, burns and bruising. He didn't die? Burns and bruising in his attack. His attackers were jailed for three further more years after admitting wounding Black with intent to cause, cause grievous bodily harm. Black never admitted responsibility in any of the murders of which he was convicted or suspected and refused to cooperate with investigators in spite of having little hope of being freed. And he never told anybody of any of the other murders he apparently did. Just a piece of shit. According to Ray Wire, a pioneer in the treatment of sex offenders who conducted several interviews with Black between 1990 and 93, the prime reason for this was an issue of control for Black. We're, we're summarised that the psycholo- psych- psychology behind Black's refusal to cooperate with investigators 
He's the sort of person for whom it's all about power and control. Having information about what he's done gives him power. He's no desire to ease his conscience. Yeah. He's not going to give up the one thing that gives him power over the pain that the, his victims' families are suffering. The closest Black ever came to confessing to any of his crimes was shortly before 1994 trial, where asked why he had why he had never denied any of the charges brought against him, and according to where he replied, because I couldn't. Oh my god! Black died from a heart attack at Magabury or Mahabury on the 12th of January 2016. He was aged 68, so he lived a fairly long life, which he didn't deserve. His body, his body was crema- cremated at Rosslawn Crematorium outside Belfast on the 29th of January. No, no family or friends were present at his God, service. And in shit. his short service at a Presbyterian chaplain, uh, the Reverend Rodney Cameron read a section of a, pot of a psalm. Black's ashes were scattered at sea in February 2016. He's considered a suspect in a number of cases in uh, France, the UK and Ireland and Mary Boyle. Mary Boyle is one of them, yeah. And I would strongly suggest that he yeah. did take Mary Ball. He also is a uh, suspect in a number of cases in the North. Um, like, because there's no way he just did those. No. Like, he, that man was prolific. Like, he was murdering children left, right and centre. Mm-hmm. And was doing it from, like, the age of, like, nine. Like, he was sexually assaulting young <sighs> girls from, like, the moment from seven and he just never stopped and he got to the level he got to is because no one reported no one him reported it and because do you know what's very odd about this is hopefully it still does exist but not to this prominency the shame yeah is placed on these children little girls like shh don't talk about that yeah. don't tell anybody that children also People should not have had children back then. No one uh, What the fuck were they doing? There's a lot of kids just... Just wandering around. I know people are like, oh, but nobody knew. People were murdering kids in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and 60s. This is not a new thing. This is not like, oh, it only started happening in the 2000s. This is happening forever. But once again, it was shtum and don't talk about it and keep it quiet and... Oh man, that was fucking dark I'm sorry no you see the thing is I knew about this guy because obviously when I was doing the Mary Boyle story I, I read about him Um, not to that extent obviously but just that's that's a lot I've been doing I've been saving this one for a while because it's really heavy and even that bit there where um, it's a lot. the father gets his daughter out I can't the imagine man, I just um, made me quite upset and I got like teary eyed even reading it then but then when I was writing I'd I'd like saved most of this on you know our Google Share yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like right I'm gonna put this together but it's just horrific but it's just non-stop like there's not like he doesn't do this and then get caught no he, he just does keeps it, doing it and does it and does it not and does lost. it and does it and does it and it's like there's no way that people weren't aware that nope. he was a fucking creep like and the thing is as I said there is I know there are so many cases out there that are not solved that he did yeah and I didn't go in but like I've an entire section of like the level of stuff that was found in his van oh I read in that, his yeah. house like he had reams of child pornography in these like magazines which I didn't know was a thing um he had like child pornography videotapes he'd like 
he in his van there was like Polaroid pictures found of, yeah. of other children. He had he would take his camera with him. Um, he was making child pornography and essentially yeah. swapping it with yeah. the other people that he was getting it from himself. Like he was prolific yeah. like it wasn't and he had like he was only interested in girls from like until they were like yeah pre-pubescent, pre-pubescent. um and oh, I don't even know. it's horrific i just it's horrific like i can't i can't imagine being the parent of one of those children like i ju- it doesn't bear thinking about it. like it just doesn't bear thinking about it. like how how do you deal with that how do you how do you think this grown man did this to my baby mm-hmm this grown man did this to my baby, like, just, oh, dude, the story was great, well done, not great, you know what I mean, you did a good job. Thank you. Um, It's very long, sorry. No, 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 the thing about it is, to be perfectly honest with you, it should be that long, because these girls need to be talked about. Like, there's so many of them that, like, there's so many cases that, like, you, that he's potentially linked to, that are just, like, like, there's one, there's a girl up, up, I think, near Antrim, where one of the girls in the story, it was, there's another girl that they found her body in a bin. Um, oh. And they think that he was... They know that he was in the area. And the Mary Boyle one, he was... He was there. Exactly yeah, in the area at that time. And no one has ever found her body. No. And no one has ever come forward to know anything. No. And it, the way he's so fast... Yeah. And her... Like, she went to, like, essentially a laneway between the houses. And at the end of that house was a road. Yep. Which is a back, a back. And it's exactly how these girls are picked up. Yeah. Imagine being that man. I keep thinking about that man that saw that girl getting kidnapped. Mm. Just bent down to pick something up. Mm. And then he sees her little feet. Yeah. Oh my God, what would you do? Like. Like, I can't, I can't get my head around. Like, I've had my head in my hands with this entire thing because I'm just like, I don't understand this. Like, I, I just. The post-traumatic stress so many people must have because of this, like. But even that, that Matt, like to get into a van, because at that point he doesn't know his daughter's alive. No, he's probably like my kids. If this is this guy that yeah. I know about, because everybody knows, and also I'm a police officer. Mm-hmm. She's probably fucking dead. Mm-hmm. Like, like I had, I was like sobbing when he, when he, like he was <coughs> like, I heard, I heard, and I couldn't see. It was so dark. But he heard the herder. But I heard, I could hear a noise. Oh, then whoa, I just whoa. seen the, I seen the. A sleeping bag in the corner of the van moving. Like it is a small miracle that that man was in his garden at that time. Yeah. It is a, it is a miracle because he was going to continue. There was, he was mm. not stopping until he was caught. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I don't even know. I just, oh, anything like this is weird. And I always think, I always say this thing in my head where I'm like, the manner in which these children are found and the disregard that is a human being but to him that is uh, just a piece of meat that's Mm. for his gratification and then to dump their five-year-old bodies in a fucking ditch Mm. with no remorse no none zero none zero he never stopped and more concerned with the fact that he had power to keep this information to himself than Mm. to go parent of that five-year-old child whose body was found in a ditch I could maybe ease their pain a little bit yep anyway rotten hell motherfucker sorry for bumming you all in no no it's fine it's just I, stories like this I, I just my brain I, I can't understand I just don't, 
I read so much stuff like this, and watch so many documentaries and things, and I still am like, why? 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 Like, I just... It is that thing. It's the thing of, like, why? Uh, but do you know what? Um, for me, I'm, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to go to bed and be scaremongering myself. No, of course but, like, not. Of course not. That whole thing of, like, why was your, why, like, why was it, and, like, yeah, that little girl was out in a promenade, but that little girl in the last one, she was outside her house. She was outside her house. Outside her house playing. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure her parents were looking out the window every now and again being yeah. like, where is she, her mom? Yeah. And then just looks away and... Yeah. Like, that's, that's how quick that happened. Yeah. Like, we weren't... I remember I remember when we were kids, my, people would accuse my mother of being overprotective. They were always like, because my mum would always be like, where are they, where are they, where are they, where are they? Mm. And when we lived in Legan, it was different because we were kind of just in the village or whatever. But when we were in England or when we were in Mullingar, my mother would always be like, where are they? And my, I remember my aunties being like, you're just so overprotective, Kathleen. She was right. She was absolutely right. My mum was not. <laughs> <laughs> They're my in the dump like, again. <laughs> where are they? I don't know. <coughs> you know the dump's on fire and we can't find Richie. <laughs> he, pro- he probably set it on fire. He's not in the dump. On fire, and he just probably did, he did it. it. <laughs> and like, and I was like, "Where were you say we made a fort? Where'd you make the fort? Over in the canal, <laughs> which is a good like twenty five minutes away from this house, and there's no like supervision whatsoever. It's crazy that people. We made a fort out of like I remember one year me and Richie made a fort, and within this fort, what we made it out of was like four fridges that we found in the dump. Fridges of all yeah, the things. Like, like the most dangerous thing yeah. a child can play with. Do you remember that episode of like, um, what you talking about, Wilson? One of them gets stuck in the fridge and nearly dies. No, I didn't yeah. see that. And I remember being to Richie, grab those, when we get those four Just get fridges, that fridge there, yeah. Uh, we get those, we stack them up, we'll, and one of them, we'll take the doors off them and they can be the other side of the fort. It's fucking crazy. This Richie, shit. play my rubbish! <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed today. I should not be allowed. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. And it's... no one took us. But do you know what the thing is as well about these, like, just kids that are taken and if they, a, a person would have came along and saw me and Richie and be like, oh, I'm not going to risk it. I'll probably, probably catch, yeah. I'll probably catch something. Yeah, probably. It's two fucking lunatics. But like also, I don't know, man. It, like I remember, you know, when Catherine was little and my mom would go to Tesco and you know when kids do that thing? Where they disappear. Where they disappear. And my mother's panic like you could you'd see in her face and hear it in her voice just that panic of like my kids I don't know where my kid is imagine that but at this scale yeah and I think also like the time you're mo- so, like that time is like is around the time where people started to become aware yes. that shit, this shit was this happening this shit was going on um, this shit is happening it's pre-social media but yeah. it's like the man in the van and yeah. those kind of things that you grow or up don't, with. Or don't, if someone else gives you sweets, say no. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But like even, when you think about it, like the Amber Alert stuff didn't happen until that girl no. was kidnapped. And that was late, what, like late, early 90s? Mm-hmm. So before that, kids were just like, willy-nilly, out in the streets. Even with Lily, me and Lily, like we don't talk about her being abducted, but I'm always like, if you're, because like I don't want to freak her out. Of course, already, of like, course. It's stressed out enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we talk about like, I always say to her, if you don't feel safe, what do you have to shout? And she'd just be like, fire. Fire. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you scream fire at the top of your lungs yeah. and you run away from whatever it is. Yeah. I'm sure one day she'd be in school, teacher will freak her out. She'd be like, fire! Fire! Sale! <laughs> um, oh my God, there's a fire! Sale! Um, you yeah. know, but it's just that thing of like, I want her to be safe and I want her to know that if something's not right. Yeah, we we a- have talked about like, you know, 
there's a fine line between freaking the cold that'll kill you. <laughs> there's a fine line between freaking the fuck out of your child and teaching them how to be safe. But I remember this. I this is like one of the first moments I remember that bad things happen in the world. Do you remember that Scott that shooting in Scottish in Scottish school? Oh, and uh, Dum- uh, Dumblain. Dum- Dumblain. Yeah. That happened. And I remember it happening. Yeah. And why I remember it happening is the day after you had to ring the bell to come into my school and all the gates were closed. No way. And our parents, previous to that, because my grandmother worked in the school, so I would be quite often so in the school. you could just school. kind of walk in and out kind of thing? You used to be able to just walk into reception where the principal's office and where the secretary's yeah. office were, you used to be able to just walk in and out there. And there was no real, like, lockdown within yeah, the school. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't deemed that it was needed. And the next day, all the doors in our school were locked. And the protocol was, that if you want to come into the school, you have you to ring the, the bell. bell. And you ha- can only come in to the school in this one space. If you're a parent, but if you're dropping off your school, you follow the normal, like, yes, dropping off yeah, your kid. Yeah. You follow the normal, like, in the yard. Yes. But if you want to come into the school... You ring the bell. You have to, and the gates were locked. And I remember being like, and it was like instant. Yeah. I remember the next day being in school and it was like, this is, this is the new normal there. Like, God, fuck me, man. Anything to do with kids. Just like, just kids. Like they don't like, and and that thing of like, and it's like, right. I know it's like when it happens to like older women or young, but it's like, this motherfucker lived until he was nearly seven years old. He killed a five year old. A five-year-old. like and just was living, just just continued to live, and I'm sure had a fine time in prison, apart from being tried, people trying to murder him. Oh, I, like, I, ho- I, I wish I had succeeded. Yeah. Like, when you said that, I was like, oh, maybe they got him. They didn't get him. No. Like, and I would, if honest <sighs> to God, and I know this is, like, not how society should work, but if I was in prison, I'd happily take more yeah. time to know I'm sure that those someone... lads were like, we don't care. Yeah. Like, they obviously were, because they were trying to kill him. Yeah. So they were like, we know we're going to get more time, but we don't fucking care. Like the whole thing, like the whole, it's just like an, the amount of families and children and just like devastation, he called. Colin's going to be like, use cunts. I cannot put a song in after this. No, the only thing I will say about it is in some respects, I'm kind of glad he didn't have a family because when these things happen and I hear of them, I, sometimes I think of that person's family mm. and I'm like, if they're a decent group of people, and then this motherfucker that is related to them has done this shit. It's always going to kind of hang over them. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad that he didn't have family. Actually, I was going to say, I don't know if you saw a while ago, I put up that thing about the, uh, the stalking thing in Ireland where they're trying to pass a law to actually make stalking illegal. And um, that lady, Una Ring, that was uh, one of our listeners, her, it was her, I believe her, her auntie or her, one of her relatives, I read an interview with Una Ring and she's a fucking amazing person because she said, the first thing she said was when, during this interview, this man was married with like four kids that stalked her. Married man, four children. And the first thing she said was, my heart is absolutely broken for his family. And I was like, you're fucking amazing. Like she was like, I am so upset for his family because they have to go through this oh. and he has put them through this. And I always think that when I see like, murderers or serial killers most of them a lot usually have a really fucked up family life but like she was amazing I was like that's incredible that that's where your thought process was not anything else you know um, if you can 
anybody, if you guys can sign that petition, it's stalking.ie. Please do, because it's absolutely ludicrous that there isn't a law against this. And the only reason this guy was stopped was because he turned up to her house with a hammer and duct tape and a rope and a dildo. Sorry. And she saw him on CCTV footage. She had to get CCTV footage put out, cameras put outside her house. And she called him on the CCTV footage. And the guards came. Was he outside when the guards came? There is a picture from her CCTV footage of him standing outside her house. Oh, I'm looking at the picture. It's fucking chilling. And then that woman went to court and she waived her anonymity because she was like, I want other people to get the justice they need and I'm going to tell people. Oh my God, look at this image. He married with four children, I believe. And she had told the guards on numerous occasions that this man was harassing and stalking her. They didn't do, yep. They didn't do anything. And then when he turned up outside her gaff and he was obviously going to murder and rape her, which was what was happening there, then they turned up. Like actually, this, I am, yeah. He's just a regular regular guy. Obsessed with her. Completely obsessed with her. I'm sorry for saying dildo. I should have said sex toy I don't I just feel like it took I don't know I feel like it took (laughs) I took everyone out of the story by saying that but that's I I know I wasn't trying to be salacious or anything but that's in in basic terms he was standing outside her house waiting to go in and rape and murder that woman there's someone outside my house with a dildo I'd run out and I honest to god wouldn't be stopped he would honestly beat yeah she's amazing how amazing is she she's incredible and she stood in that court and had to like she put up with hell like she met him I think at a Christmas party and just said, how are you to him? She wasn't his friend. And he just started fucking stalking her. Sending her letters and found out where she lived. And she was like, a wreck. Because she was like, nobody will fucking help me. And then that happened. I get her some help. I, just know, I know some people. I know some people that know some people that know some people that know fucking, some people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Damn, been, make a few phone calls for your love. This has been very dark. And... Should we have gone to therapy I'm tonight? Going to, I'm going through a lot <laughs> I'm sorry. I actually am like, I'm so drunk. I'm just like, what the fuck? Oh, everything is awful. The world's a horrible place. Um, but that motherfucker's dead. I give you a massage. Turn off the light. And Come that on. six-year-old girl lived and he wasn't able to get anybody else. Yes. So that's not positive, but like at least... Well, that is positive. Like, he could have went on. I mean, yeah. he's only 68 years old. At least... At he could have continued on to do what he was doing. At least that little girl was saved. That and little girl upon, was and saved. And upon saving her... They got that motherfucker. Yeah. So that's just, that's fabulous. But anyway, that, well done. Good, good story. I'm traumatized. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I hate men. You know, they're the worst. I hate men. They're the worst. Um, anyway. One of the men that I work with told me that he was listening to a podcast by that, you know, that cunt oh, Jesus. psychologist that's clearly an anti-woman Ooh. Canadian psychologist you do know him he's always like he's one of those people that like is an antagonistic like oh, what's his fucking name hang on is he famous is he a famous man I've just googled Canadian cunt <laughs> <laughs> um, just... oh also Joe, Joe Rogan is a cunt stop listening to he's Joe been Rogan. on Joe Rogan's stop podcast listening to Joe Rogan Jordan has... Peterson oh yeah that's your that piece of shit uh, so this guy I work with was like oh, I've been listening to the Jordan Peterson podcast and I just went to him I'm going to stop you there 
Don't want to hear this conversation. I have no desire to hear about no. it. And we can't be mates. No. If you listen to that. Yeah, it's, um, like, it's just like... And he was like, oh, but I, I like, I was like, no, no, actually what's happening, and I'm going to be completely honest with you here now, and you may need to go to HR, but you're being radicalised. <laughs> 100%. And you're continuously listening to this yeah. and buying into the bullshit of it. I was like, he hates women. Hates women. Hates women. And the thing about misandry, misandry doesn't generally kill. Misogyny kills. Like, you need to understand that misogyny kills. Like... Also, as I said, fuck Joe Rogan. Stop listening to Joe Rogan. Please, I'm begging you, stop giving that man money because he does not serve a single fucking cent of it. He was on his podcast the other day telling people over the age of 20, under or over the age of 20 to not get the fucking vaccine. Like, just stop listening to that sanctimonious, roided up piece of garbage with his fucking ugly red potato head on him. That I man, don't know what he looks like. Oh, he's grotesque. He's, he's like, don't get the vaccine. Fuck, man. Well, this is a dark evening. Dark, depressing evening. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Happy Christmas. You know what? Uh, it make everything better. What? Chocolate? Tasty treats. Taste the treats. Taste treats. Put it in Sponsor. your mouth. Yes. Watch the heroin addict outside <laughs> begging for <Jesus>. money. <laughs> oh. oh, we got a lady down the road. <laughs> We're never going to get Tasty Treats this month. We ruined our chances of this. Uh, As if you do get a chance to go to Tasty Treats and Body Firm, I absolutely do. It's about delicious. Body Firm more than anything else. There's always a varied mix of uh, people begging. Yeah. And so never just one type. Outside of Permanent Taste B, we have a lovely Romanian man. <laughs> and he plays the accordion. Oh, the accordion man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then down outside the Londis, there is a lovely lady. Um, and my dad says that she lives in a house close to him. Oh really? Um, and she just be outside London. Um, What's then up at Tasty Treats, quite often you get a uh, crackhead Pete. Crackhead Pete. Oh, crackhead Pete. Yes. Yeah. Crackhead Pete. People are going to be the like, video. Yeah, yeah. Crackhead Pete yeah. is the guy with the um, uh, <laughs> he plays the sweet and brush <laughs> as a bass. Um, he's living in a tent now in Chapel Lizard. Of course he is. But he has a he has a family in a house up the road that he can live in. He just wants to live in a tent. Richie saw him today. He bought a frying pan. <laughs> I'm not even making this up. And Richie said that he... Because Richie talks to him. Richie was like, hey... And Richie doesn't call him crackhead Pete to his face. He calls him Pete. He was like, hey, Pete. And he was like, oh, Richie, you have to come down. I'll cook a few sausages. You love the gaff. And Richie was like, where... Richie was like, where is the gaff? And he was like, I'm living in a tent on a California hill. And Richie was like, all right. Like, um, I might drop in you know for some sausages. I'd say crackhead Pete is having a great time. Crackhead Pete is a I'd good guy. i say he is fucking eating his sausages. Taking his crack, playing his bass brush. <laughs> I once saw him in the middle of the uh, junction in Ballyferma. You know the one at Malay's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I once saw him in the middle of that just um, dancing. Just dancing? Yeah. Listen. Listen, he's having a good time. He's having a good time. If anyone wants to know what crack, I wonder if I can get the video and put the crackhead pee video. We'll try and find the crackhead pee video. Crackhead pee video is one of the best videos ever made. Makes me then there's Buddy. Buddy McDonough. Who's that? He's a, he's not a, he's not a, he's not on crack. He's a severe alcoholic. Oh, buddy. Um, but he's having a great time too. But he fancies my ma. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he openly, whenever we walked on the road, he openly is like. He was down there the last time I was with him. He to me, your ma, your ma's a good woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Hi. <laughs> just going into tasty, yeah. tasty treats. Just going into tasty treats. Tasty buddy. treats. Buddy is tasty always treats. covered in plasters. Always just like That's falling over. That's the guy when we yeah, were there. Yeah, he was always like, like, like a blaster. He's always purple. Like he's so many plasters that almost looks like it's not real. Yeah. Like it's comedic. Buddy, what you do? I fell. Buddy. Buddy, get your shit um, together, buddy. Come um, okay, anyway, that's the end of uh, the crackhead Pete and Buddy stories yeah. from Bally Firma. Um, everybody have a lovely week. We're sorry this is a late episode. We're also sorry that was really depressing. We're sorry about everything, um, basically. And we're sorry, and we're sorry, and we're just really sorry. Everybody's um, sorry, my phone's dead. Everybody's dead. Everybody be sorry. Thank you for everybody listening. Everybody be sorry. Sign the petition on stalking.ie to get these motherfuckers put in jail. Um... Do all the things. Do Try all the things. Be good. I'd be really bad at stalking. Do you reckon? Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. I'd say you'd be quite good at it. No. I don't have the um, patience yeah, that no, requires. No, I'd be like... I don't care enough. Well, here's what would happen if I was stalking you. After about... If? What do you mean? Excuse me. Get over yourself. How do you think this friendship started? How dare you? Stalk in my yeah. life. But here's how, here's how it did start. Within this two minutes of stalking you on the internet, I said, hey. <laughs> and I said... Hey! Yeah, like, Hello! I'm over here looking at you. Do you want to be friends? Like, no! That's not what happened. That's how I, that's how I stalk. I don't know how to do it. I don't have patience. So sad. We were both like, Hello, I have no other friends. Will Hello, I have no friends. friends. Hello, friend. I don't like any of my current friends. And I'd like a Hello, new friend. Hello, I'm in the market for a new friend. Hello, would you like to be my friend? My name is Sarah Jane. This and I'm starting our friendship. A being a friend. Or love. To myself. Or love. Anyway, happy Christmas, everybody. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye. And now for a very special preview of Ask Me Arse, Murder Most Irish's Patreon-exclusive mailbag show. For more information or to sign up, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Murder Most Irish and enjoy all of this incredible content. Uh, so this next question is from Amy she said what are your earliest feminist memories or realisations of girls and boys being treated differently one of mine was the outrage of finding out my high school uniform didn't let girls wear trousers we had to wear kilts my early feminist rage, un- rage got the uniform rules changed I loved a kilt you were killed uh, mine was probably no I remember being really young I remember being in primary school and thinking things weren't right and things there were certain things happened but I remember when I was in first year in secondary school that we weren't allowed to wear trousers we had to wear skirts, so I kicked off. Like this one. Two fucking feminists. Yeah. Uh, so I kicked off and... Came in in the nip. We were allowed to wear trousers. <laughs> just like this. In my birthday suit. No, I did. I kicked off because I was like... turn off the lights. And I remember I said it to my, my principal uh, at the time. And I remember him saying to me, that's not that's not an issue. That's not a thing. And I was like, why are we not allowed to wear trousers? Why do we have to wear skirts? Since it's part of the uniform. I'm like, why? And I said to him, so it's okay for the lads to wear skirts. And he didn't know what to say to me. And he was my religion teacher as well. Mm. And I remember I kicked but off he hated, you. hated me. I got kicked out of religion yeah. class so many times. Um, I kicked off from religion class. And I was like, this is fucking bullshit. It was fucking freezing, A. And B, like we had these um, grey skirts to our knees. Oh, they weren't long. No. They were like grey A-line skirts to our fucking knees. It was freezing. So I kicked off and then they let us wear trousers. And mm. just for the record, their uniform was rank. Our uniform was Your uniform was rank. It was rotten looking. It was, was, nice. it was like a maroon jumper and a yeah, shirt. Maroon, maroon jumper. Maroon. Maroon, shirt, yeah. Coming things. from fucking religious Joe down the road in your yeah. ugly ass fucking kilts. We had... Listen. He's had a kilt. No, they, they had, had a like plaid long skirt, plaid skirts. A plaid skirt. I had a long kilt. 
Ugly. With the big uh, safety, safety pin. pin. Yeah, I liked them. But yeah, I do. I do remember being in primary school though and having issues with things mm. and just being like feeling like, or even like when we were in secondary school and our French teacher teacher brought all the girls in to teach them how to be like respectful mm. and how to cover their bodies and cross their legs and mm. like. I remember just sitting there going, I actually said to her, I was like, are you going to have this conversation with the boys? And she was like, I don't need to have this conversation with boys. What? But like, that's when you're 14. That being like fed to you is fucked up, man. But also even in our school, like I, like I was, wasn't allowed to do choir. What do you mean? We weren't allowed, I wasn't allowed to do choir. I was Why? Like, I had girl, to be, because you were a boy. Yeah, I had to specifically ask Sister Maura and Sister Maura was lovely and she was like, yeah, well, if you want to do it, we'll do it. But it was a thing that fucking boys insane. had to do PE, girls had to do choir. And I was the only... <laughs> you look like course, a great I was the only... You did. <laughs> Please let me take a picture. But I was the only boy who was, who was allowed to do choir. Look at me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, they're nice. And do you know what? It's just, no, you look crazy because you're just staring at Colin. <laughs> yeah. I'll try, take a picture where I understand. Okay, um, I sang the shit out of that choir. I bet you did. Oh yeah. shit, that you weren't allowed to. Yeah, but that's like I know it's from a from, 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 from man, but it is a man's perspective of noticing <laughs> of noticing bullshit. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. But it is weird the way schools do that. I don't know if they do it anymore. Obviously, because yeah. they're in school. They absolutely still do that. Nine in twenty five years, but like that they mm. <laughs> that they um separate yeah. everything. Like they make it like boys, girls. So boys, I, went, girls. I didn't go to a mixed. Oh, you were in all girls school, right? Yeah, yeah, we were mixed, so it wasn't the best. I don't know if I was really sheltered, but mm. I was allowed to do whatever I wanted. Yeah, like I so think I played. It, I played football for the all boys football yeah, team. Yeah, told me that. Yeah, uh, my parents were. I play. I play. I played all of the lads on the road. I played sports with them. I was quite tomboyish, um, but I also played with the girls. Like I play. Like remember those secret snails? Remember those? What? They were like a snail, but you. you squeezed it and it had a little like pocket in the top and you put like a secret in it no. but they had like long this hair sounds amazing. <laughs> they had, like long hair like a My Little Pony if you, no if you I dream mean, this this sounds fucking amazing Sarah <laughs> so this was right get the, this was this was hold on this was a hairy was a toy a hairy, okay this was a hairy plastic snail that you put secrets in <laughs> is what you're telling me I have to google this immediately I keep getting secreting snails, so that's not <laughs> secret snail toys. Nineties, nineties toy. Secret snails. Oh god! Oh, they were definitely snails. <laughs> My baby's got a secret snail. No secret snail. Not these, is it? So, yeah, I remember them. Something's yeah. Oh my god, I still love these. I totally forgot what are about they these. Sarah's got a secret snail. <laughs> Nobody knows it, but you got a secret snail. What are they called? Um, anyway, actually, yeah, I, the whole point of this was that I played the boys and girls and I didn't really know what We shouldn't be allowed to do these no. episodes. No. They go They're on. Snail Keeper Fantasy. Snail Keeper. Oh my god, I used to have to spawn as They used to smell Secret amazing. Snail. Yeah, they smelled really good. Oh man, I fucking love these things. I totally forgot about them, Sarah. Oh. Why did you talk about them? Because I was saying I used to play with them with the girls on the road. Oh, okay. Um, That's um, I think for me, the moment I realised it, I remember watching the, the Quiet Man with my ma. I mean, like, why is he hitting her on the train? And why isn't anyone stopping yeah. Um But there's so much media we would have consumed that would have been like really fucked up and really messed up and you're like okay we just totally accepted that this yeah. is normal also I remember being in secondary school and being very much like oh okay so girls are sluts but boys can do whatever they want and yeah. I remember that being very very vivid in my brain it's like the lads calling girls sluts but I'd be like but you were with her so what are you uh-huh. 
You know what I mean? And that being very much kind of conducive to my like, I fucking hate men. I hate women. Attention feminists. Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from teespring.com. Plain boring old tea's getting you down. Hey buddy, does your huddy scream funny duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from teespring.com. Don't be a mug. Buy one of ours. Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingingest crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder most Irish merchandise at teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third-party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases, and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com.